the traditional Western medical model at this point has taken all of the power away from the patient. And I think we really need to reconnect to you were born to heal. And that's kind of a tagline that I always say, because I think innately we know that, but we forget that. You are listening to The Dr. Haley Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you optimize your health. Each episode, there will be an interview or a message to help you discover better health. We will be featuring health radicals on the show to bring new ideas to the table, as well as doubling down on key fundamentals to support you living your best life. Your host is no other than the founder of Haley Nutrition, Dr. Michael Haley. Welcome to the Dr. Haley Show podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Heather Stone, one of the top functional medicine practitioners in the world. She has over 20 years of clinical experience in private practice. During that time, she has successfully helped thousands of women overcome the symptoms of hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's thyroiditis. She is the author of Thyroid Transformation Blueprint, which has been used by hundreds of doctors through which countless women have been helped to return to happy, healthy, and lean lives. Her mission is to change the face of healthcare through her private practice, books, masterclasses, webinars, education programs, including this podcast, and retreats on her ranch in Texas. Dr. Stone, thank you so much for being on my show. This is our first chance to actually meet and, and speak, but I've done a little research on you. And <laughs> the coolest thing, I saw one of your videos. It looked like you were in a soccer goal or something like that. And I think I heard some chickens in the background. <laughs> Probably. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I love that. I'm a little bit jealous. I used to have my own chickens. Were those your chickens? Yep. Those are my chickens. I live on um, a ranch where we do regenerative farming. So it's a new project for us about, um, we've been there for about a year and a half. So it's, it's really fun. Oh, no. Regenerative farming. What's that? So regenerative farming is really making sure that we take care of the soil so that, um, you know, you can grow great, amazing, healthy vegetables, but you also want to use animals to do the proper regenerative farming. So like the cows eat the grass and then, you know, they start to regenerate the soil so that we um, can really, it's essentially a way to give back and help with, you know, uh, you know, climate change or whatever they're saying. But I think that cows get a really bad rap, but I think we really need ruminant animals to start healing um, the earth and to start healing us and to um, really produce great food um, that has super high, it's nutrient dense. And without all the hormones, antibiotics, and chemicals um, in it. I, I love that because, you know, we're not going to be talking much about this. We're going to be talking about hormones and thyroid and stuff. But this kind of sets the tone for who you are. And I absolutely love that. A lot of people think, you know, well, we grow things in the farmlands and, and it grows from the soil. But it really doesn't. It, things that are growing are growing in this dead soil. And the yeah. only reason they're able to grow is because farmers are dumping all kinds of um, nutrients into the soil because the soil is dead. It should have its own nutrients in there. And the funny thing is, is what is soil? It's, yeah. it's 
species. It's species from microorganisms and worms and, you know, everything is kind of consumed and excreted and turned over. And that is nutritious. Yeah, because I'm a functional medicine practitioner, as we're probably going to get into. And it's almost like you take functional medicine and you apply it to animals and your food source and um, the soil. We look at the soil exactly like we look at the gut. Um, and it's so cool. One, I'll just have one little story here. So our cows and our sheep, we have this mineral box and it's all individual minerals and they get to go and they smell exactly what mineral it is that they need. Um, and they'll dip their nose in it and they'll um, lick it off. And what's cool is the minerals that they need or the minerals that they're lacking is what's lacking in the soil. So they will take up whatever mineral it is that they need, and then they poop it out back onto the land and they redeposit the mineral back into the soil. And so that's what helps us uh, have a good natural balance of minerals in the soil without spending tons of money and dumping tons of fertilizers and things on this on the soil. It's pretty cool. You know, you, you make me think of a conversation I had with Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. I'm sure you know who that is from the author I of the don't. Caps. Okay. I don't. Well, she talked about uh, soil, not only soil in the farmlands, but also in our bodies, because essentially the animals and the microorganisms and everything is excreting all of these nutrients into the soil. And the coolest connection was, you know, the plants are reaching into that soil. The roots of the trees are very much like the roots of our intestines sinking into the soil that we make internally with, you know, you, you, the trees have primary roots and secondary roots and tertiary roots. And she kind of equated that to like the intestines with the folds being like the primary roots and, you know, getting down to the microvilli and the hairs on them being like secondary and tertiary roots sinking into our own soil to absorb the nutrients that are excreted from our microbiome, you know, exactly. So when we yeah. start making these comparisons and realizing the farmlands are dead because of antibiotics, pesticides, yep. herbicides, fungicides, things that are against life. Yep. And our soil we're killing because of, you know, pesticides, <laughs> herbicides, fungicides in the food, antibiotics, chlorinated water, preservatives in the food. And we're killing off our own soil internally. So exactly. I, I think it's neat to make this connection and understand as a functional medical, well, medicine practitioner, functional yeah. medicine, you can't just say, what's the diagnosis, but you got to dig deep and say, no, something caused this. There's That's a, right. there's a cause for everything. And yeah. now the other thing I notice is we have similar initials after our names for, you know, our healthcare licenses, DC, where'd you go to school? I went to Parker. Okay. Where'd you I go? I went to life in uh, okay. Marietta. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. And something that you said made me think of, um, well, things that Sid Williams has said in, in your book, you drive home uh, the point that you're looking for the cause, not just treating symptoms. And you said something to the effect that, well, you explained the relationship between the doctor and the patient. And it was kind of like saying you have everything you need, you know, 
Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about that when it comes to getting well. Whose responsibility is it? How much responsibility is on you, the healthcare practitioner, and what is the patient's responsibility? Yeah, and I think um, the traditional Western medical model at this point has taken all of the power away from the patient. And I think we really need to reconnect to you were born to heal. And that's kind of a tagline that I always say, because I think innately we know that, but we forget that. And every person has everything that they need to heal. Healing comes from inside out. Health comes from inside out. And sometimes we just need to remove interference or we, re we need to remove toxins or we need to change the environment so that the body um, can actually heal. And I think we have to take that power back because that's the only way that it happens. So for my patients, I just try to be the leader. I try to give guidance. I try to do the appropriate testing and digging and figuring out where the underlying issues are, where's the underlying imbalance. And then how do we need to work together? What information can I give you that you can maybe implement to facilitate your body's healing? But the body's healing can only come from the person, right? You can only heal from the inside out. Health is not overriding the body's physiology with a bunch of medications. That's not actually healing the body. Yeah. You know, and when you talk about medications, I think of Dr. Sid Williams' book, When is a Potato a Pill? Because a lot of us have, you know, uh, grown and we're not looking necessarily to things that are on the shelf at Walgreens or, you know, CVS. But sometimes we use food like medicine. And when is a potato a pill? You know, if you're thinking you can just take this to reverse that symptom, now all of a sudden we've made our food uh, medicine in the wrong way. Yeah. Because we've forgotten yeah. everything else. I think a lot of, I, I really like, I, I use the term um, allopathic nutrition. Right. So that means that you are taking a nutritional supplement or you're using a food to override the body's physiology for a symptom instead of looking deeper to say, okay, well, why do I have the symptom? You know, in my opinion, is it better to use something natural than it is to use a pharmaceutical? Yes. Um, but if we could really dig deeper um, to figure out the root cause of why you have that symptom and address it at that level, then the symptoms go away. And it can be frustrating for a lot of people, especially when they're used to like instant gratification of, of a symptom going away. But if you can be patient and you actually find the true root cause of the symptom, you're not going to end up with a lot of pharmaceuticals, but you're also not going to end up with a ton of nutritional supplements. So I always know, um, you know, a thyroid patient, I joke because I'm a thyroid patient as well, <laughs> but I joke, I always knew when a thyroid patient was walking into my office because they would have loads of supplements, like bags and bags of supplements. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so yeah. what happens is they go to Whole Foods or natural grocers or whatever, whatever health food store they go to and they they're looking and they say, oh, this is for constipation. I'm going to have that. And oh, this is for adrenal function. I think my adrenals must be a mess. And oh, you know, I read this article and I think I can't sleep. So I need to load up on magnesium. But when we do their labs, I'm like, that's not the problem at all. Like we need to look at the liver because liver is huge for detoxification and bowel movements and all of the stuff. But you start ending up with um, practicing allopathic nutrition or applying 
a medication or a supplement or a food to suppress a symptom without understanding and addressing that root cause. And it can get frustrating because it's only going to work if you get lucky. Right. So it's only if you get lucky and you address the actual cause of the problem where that symptom goes away. But that's not usually the case. And that's why people end up with loads of supplements. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, you have cancer. What do I need to take to get better? No, it's it's not. What do I need to take? It's it's a lifestyle, everything. And yes, there's things that can help you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you got to get rid of the cause. Number one. Yes, that's right. I think it's interesting with cancer. It's it's kind of a deep topic. And with my patients, I always support them whatever, you know, traditional therapy they need to do. And then I'm like, okay, now we have to change the environment because if you don't change the environment, then it's going to come back somewhere else and it's going to be looked at as a separate thing, but it's not a separate thing. It's the same thing unless you change your environment like change the inside. You have to make an environment so that cancer can't grow. Like it's not hospitable for cancer to grow and and thrive. And so I think we need to really um, consider that because the cool thing is, is that we can change gene expression based on environment. And we know with the study of epigenetics is that we express genes based on the environment that they're exposed to. So you can imagine someone who eats you know, fast food and has the standard American diet, you can imagine their environment versus somebody who exercises daily, who, you know, eats a very clean diet, who really works on organic foods and has the right proper nutrition. The environment is going to be completely different. And, you know, certain organisms and cancer and viruses and bacteria, they grow when when the environment or the conditions are right for them. Yeah. If we were to simplify that, would you say that uh, genetics may play a role in a predisposition, but it's not a sentence for that? Yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of people um, in in my um, patient population is mostly women. So I I tend to say, you know, most of the women that I see, um, many of them have given up. Because it's like, it's in my gene line, whether they're talking about autoimmunity or they're talking about cancer or they're talking about um, diabetes is a huge one. It's like, it doesn't matter what I do because it's in my gene line. My sisters, my mom, my dad, everybody had it. Oh, and now we're really seeing a huge um, uptick in Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. And what we need to realize is that You know, if you most of the time these genes turn on because they're more familial than it is genetic, meaning like you keep the same environment that you grew up in. You guys eat the same food about, you know, you have the same activity level. You have the same mindset. All of those things are continued through life. And so then you're more likely to to turn on those genes. But if you change the environment, if you change your habits, then you can turn genes on or turn genes off, um, you know, based on how, how they, how they thrive. So it's absolutely not a sentence. Um, you have so much control over your gene expression. And again, we just need to put the power back in the patient, um, you know, so that they realize that they, they have a lot more control than, than ever known before. Yeah. Yeah. We inherited our genes, but we also inherited traits such as for my family, it was pizza every Friday night and, you know, certain mm-hmm. things such as that, uh, you know, other people, it's Taco Tuesday. 
you know, there's <laughs> things that we grew up and our parents did them. So we do them and we just need to change some of those that aren't doing us, aren't serving us. So I can. Yeah. And I think it's those start to add comforts, right? Like um, taco Tuesday. It's fun. It's comforting. It kind of makes you, it reminds you of your childhood. But the other thing too, is there's ways that you can keep those habits in, but just make them healthy. Right. So on taco Tuesday, amazing. Just have a lettuce wrap instead of the actual corn, corn tortilla, or there's other you know, tortillas that aren't so offending. So, you know, you can always make changes, but still keep those traditions in. And that's what I really encourage people to do so that you can still enjoy life, how you enjoy life. But, um, you're either going to give some things up now, um, for great rewards later, or you're going to enjoy things now. And then you're going to deal with chronic degenerative disease, uh, you know, later. So it, it's, it's a choice that you're actually making. And most of the time it's an unconscious choice. Yeah. You know, um, I love looking for replacements and the things that we enjoy in love in life. For instance, if it was a, and it, it's not eliminating everything that's, that's, you know, um, not perfect in health. Uh, but you know, if you're addicted to soda, uh, possibly having a carbonated water with tea in it, that gives you maybe a green tea, little boost, and maybe it's flavored with a little fruit juice or stevia to sweeten it or whatever the case, or a squeeze of lemon. And you start making a soda, which is considered, it's a recreational food, the carbonation, the high acidity, it's not great for you, but it's way better than having a sugary soda. Yeah. Or something with corn syrup. Thing. Yeah. I do the same thing with wine. So, um, you know, if I'm out with a group of friends and I don't want to feel like I'm missing out, I just ask the server, can you please bring me sparkling water, but it has to be in a wine glass <laughs> and please put in, you know, a slice of, of lime, please. And so I feel I have the same habit. Like I I'm in a fancy glass. I'm drinking with my friends, but I'm not putting in the, the toxins and the poisons. Now it doesn't mean I don't ever have a glass of wine, but um, certainly on a limited basis. So I like to use that. So I'm still socializing. I still am participating and um, none of my friends care. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying this podcast with Dr. Heather Stone. As a thank you, now through the end of October 2023, use the coupon code HAPPY, H-A-P-P-Y, for 7% off your purchase at HaleyNutrition.com. The coupon code is named after Dr. Heather Stone's Facebook page, Happy, Healthy, and Lean. If you like what you are learning from her, head over there, become a fan, and follow Dr. Stone. Now, back to the show. Yeah, or you can make your own wine with some yeah. raw grape juice that there ferments a little bit, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, okay, let's let's zero in a little bit now on um on thyroid and and why thyroid and also your practice, you said mostly women. Do you have men that come to you as well? I do have men. Most of I'm really focusing on thyroid and I think with that particular um condition, it is mostly women, though males do have um, low thyroid, but just in a much smaller, um, percentage of the population is man, men. Um, so I do take some men, mostly it's spouses of the women that I take in because they like to do it together and be on a team, which is awesome. Um, but I just mostly focus on, um, women with thyroid. And, and why is that, that women have more thyroid issues than men? 
You know, I don't know if we know that um, exactly, but I certainly have my own theories. Um, First of all, the number one cause of low thyroid is Hashimoto's. And Hashimoto's is an underlying autoimmune condition where the immune system is attacking and killing the thyroid. It's about um, 90, upwards of the research is showing 98% of women who have low thyroid actually have this underlying autoimmune condition. So if you look at that and you say, okay, well, when does this typically turn on? It usually turns on with big hormonal fluctuations, right? So it'll turn on at puberty. It'll, it mostly turns on after the birth of a child. And then you'll see the symptoms get worse as we go through menopause when we have these bigger hormonal shifts as well. So, you know, my theories about it is because we have such big hormonal shifts that it can be a trigger for Hashimoto's and men don't typically have those big triggers. The other thing that turns on Hashimoto's or any autoimmune disease for that matter is, is trauma or major stressful events. And so any male that I've ever talked to who has Hashimoto's, if we can usually trace it back to some kind of big stressful event that they've had in their lives, because men just don't have big hormonal shifts like we do. And I think, I think that's probably the main cause, um, for why women experience this more than men. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And the other thing that I noticed in the past, you know, 20 or 30 years is thyroid conditions seem to be increasing. More people are having them now than in the past. Um, yeah. Without knowing I, I the cause. Know, yeah. I don't know necessarily the cause of this, but there was a study that was done. And um, I don't, I still don't know why it's more women than men, but other than my theory that I have, but thyroid condition is on the rise. Um, it's crazy how many women have low thyroid. There was a study done in China, and when they iodinized the salt, Hashimoto's increased by like 80%. And so, um, you know, there is a lot of controversy about that. You know, iodine, if you give a patient iodine who has Hashimoto's, it actually speeds up the, uh, the immune attack on the thyroid. So they feel better temporarily and it makes you think that they're doing better, but there's a lot of studies that show that that speeds up the actual attack on the thyroid. So could it be because we're iodinizing our salt? Um, could it be that we're more toxic, right? Our air, our water, our food is all more toxic. And if you look at the triggers for autoimmunity, excuse me, toxins play a huge role. Mm. Also, you know, blood sugar, um, insulin surges play a huge role when you have an autoimmune condition, when you have an insulin surge or an insulin spike, it'll cause the immune system to attack the thyroid. And I think the latest statistic that I heard was 80% of Americans are overweight. And I would be challenged to find someone who is overweight that didn't have an insulin resistance issue on some level. Insulin resistance doesn't mean you have prediabetes. It's on a spectrum, right? And so you, uh, most people don't know that they have insulin resistance before it becomes diagnosed with diabetes. Like, oh, all of a sudden I got diabetes. But in reality, that happened many, many years before you ever got the diagnosis. Wow. Um, yeah. And as we're saying, as we're having this discussion and thinking about, you know, some of the changes that have happened in um, the past handful of decades, uh, more sugar than ever before in the foods and a change from real sugar to the high fructose corn syrups um, yeah. that became popular with 
the genetically modified corn that we had to do something with, let's turn it into sugar, um, rise in the use of medicines and antibiotics and mm -hmm. more chemicals in general that are affecting our microflora, which could be yes. a, a trigger to autoimmune conditions. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also think about, you know, the difference between um, men and women in puberty. Uh, men never get put on hormones in puberty. Right. That's in, Boys, in, I should say. Yeah. And that is a huge one because not only do women start to get put on birth control when we go through puberty, right? Um, when now, when we go through perimenopause, um, we start to get all these hormones as well. And insulin surges and testosterone surges will cause the immune system to attack the thyroid or the body. If you're dealing with other autoimmune issues. And I think it's, it's, um, kind of like the wild, wild west out there right now with hormone. I see, I mean, you know, I see some women who absolutely need it on some level, right. And not necessarily in big surges or spikes, but maybe slow, um, you know, administration of some of these hormones, but a lot of them are getting huge spikes and I'm seeing like testosterone levels, um, you know, higher than a teenage boy that can barely be measured and estrogen levels through the roof also. And it's like, since when do we need hormones this high? Like that doesn't even, these are higher than a menstruating female. Like why do we have to have so many hormones and they're just not being measured. And I think it's trendy. I think it's, um, there's not a lot of regulation. I think there's not a lot of understanding true physiology of hormones, um, um, out there. And so it's, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. <laughs> I completely agree. And I see that, you know, right now, the, the, there's a, you know, dangling testosterone in front of every man after age yep. 40 and, uh, and, and the temptation is there. And, but why? Because, well, we, because we want to be strong and energetic and youthful, but do we really need it? How do we know? Are, are you having an actual, uh, lack of that particular hormone? Have you tested for it? You know? Yeah. Tell me about becomes like, why, right? Like, do you, are the precursors um, are you lacking the precursors? Are you turning all of that testosterone into estrogen? So your body's protecting you. So I always go back to the body's protecting you. So it always works in your best interest. So if you understand physiology and you understand feedback loops and you understand like precursors, like how that whole microbio, that micro, uh, sorry, that biochemical pathway is working the answer, but usually hormone replacement should be a last resort, in my opinion, because you're essentially making the body do something that it's not doing right now. And you have to really understand why, and you have to have a, a true respect for the body because it's amazing when you really can dig in and figure out where the issue is. Um, it's pretty spectacular what the body does when you say, oh, you have low testosterone, but your estrogen is through the roof and your body's trying to protect you. And, you know, for, for men, when you go through, um, andropause, a lot of times you'll turn your estrogen, um, testosterone into estrogen and you are at risk for prostate and colon cancer and even breast cancer. And so you have a, a hormone clearance problem. You don't have a testosterone problem. And so you got to really work with the body to clear that excess hormone out 
And you also have to realize that it's insulin resistance that makes you turn testosterone into estrogen. So you gotta fix a blood sugar problem, right? So what appears to be a hormonal problem usually isn't. It's usually something even deeper than that. And instead of just pumping you full of testosterone, because that's what's low when you're looking and that's the only thing you're looking at. But if you'll dig deeper and understand physiology, you can usually resolve the issue by digging deeper and, and working higher up the chain. Yeah. Well, let's um, zero in on on the symptoms and di diagnosis. What are the most common symptoms you see in people that are having thyroid insufficiencies? Yeah. So classically, it's low energy, inability to lose weight, hard to sleep at night, whether it's falling asleep or staying asleep. They'll get anxiety and depression, brain fog, um, their hair falls out, dry skin, brittle nails. That's typically the the classic symptoms of low thyroid. All right. And those are very common symptoms. Yeah. When people come in with them and you do the proper testing, what percentage of them are showing thyroid issues? Well, I'll say this. It's never just a thyroid issue, right? Never. And there are many women who, um, you know, they look on Dr. Google and Dr. Google says, these are the symptoms of low thyroid. And they're like, I have every symptom of low thyroid. I must have low thyroid. So they go talk to their doctor and they check a TSH because that's basically all they check for the most part. And TSH comes back normal and they're like, well, you don't have a thyroid problem, but here's an antidepressant and here's an anti-anxiety medication. And you just need to go reduce your calories and increase your exercise. And so they go through this cycle for many years until they make it to me. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just test, but we're not testing just the thyroid. We're going to test, we're going to do actual, um, you know, very thorough testing. And it could be anything. It can be liver dysfunction, adrenal gland dysfunction. It can be an underlying infection. It can be food sensitivities. It can be so many different things that have the exact same, um, you know, group of symptoms. Um, but we've just been kind of trained that that's what low thyroid is. And so we have to dig a little bit deeper to find the answer because your body is giving you a symptom for a reason. So the way that the body communicates with you to let you know that something is not right is to give you a symptom. So it's just a, a commute, a way to communicate. And so when you find the actual issue, when you find the actual root cause of the symptom and you resolve that, then the symptom has no purpose, right? So the symptom goes away. It's been resolved. Um, but this is what I would say too, is if you've looked for low thyroid and you don't have low thyroid, well, there's something, there is something going on because otherwise you wouldn't have a symptom. Okay. And when we zero in on the problem, what does treatment typically look like? Yeah. So treatment for like for someone with low thyroid. So like I said earlier, most patients have an underlying autoimmune condition. And so I've created a thyroid blueprint. So I can kind of walk you through the blueprint really quickly so that that kind of lays out the path that somebody goes through when they've been diagnosed. Right. So the first part of the blueprint is you have to have goals, right? You have to know, like, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What direction are you going? So everybody is working on the same thing. And then number two, you have to have very thorough testing. Um, you have to have very comprehensive testing. Um, number three is you have to have a comprehensive diagnosis and analysis of that testing. So it's not just, oh, you have low thyroid. 
but why do you have low thyroid? Or if you don't have low thyroid, where else is this coming from? Do you also have insulin resistance, a liver issue? Like what is the big picture here? And then you, that only then can you start customizing care. And I think that that's really important because, you know, because each one of us are individuals and we'll have different imbalances, we as practitioners need to take that into account. So just because someone's been diagnosed with low thyroid doesn't mean I have a certain treatment plan for them because of the diagnosis. But if we dig deep and we figure out what are all the underlying imbalances, then we can start to create a customized care plan. And for us, that looks like um, dietary recommendations, um, based uh, specifically for you know that individual person and, and what they're dealing with and how their body responds. We do nutritional therapy. So we do nutritional supplementation um, based on what that person is dealing with. And then of course, lifestyle changes as well. Like what does exercise look like for them? Because it's different for every person and what every person can tolerate. You know, what is their um, stress level in their life? How can we minimize stress or not even minimize necessarily, but how do we deal with stress? How do we, how do we start to reduce stress? Um, not by, you know, excommunicating or, or getting rid of a family member, but how do we deal with it? Right. And, and I think a lot of um, women in particular, we worry about things that we don't have any control over. And so trying to really rewire that, um, you know, we're, we're what that's going on in our minds all day long. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And this is outlined in, in your book, Thyroid Transformation Blueprint. Yes. Yeah, people can get on Amazon or probably from your website. Yeah, they can get it on Amazon or if they go to thyroidtransformationbook.com, they can um, find it there. We also um, gave uh, listeners uh, the first two chapters for free and they can download it there as well. So the thyroidtransformationbook.com. Did COVID make it possible where people can see you without being in? You're in Texas. I am in Texas. Um, I do have a practice in Colorado as well. So COVID was crazy and it was scary, but there were blessings and silver linings that came out of that. And for me, it allowed us to go more in a virtual setting. And so now we are focused mostly um, people in Arizona, Texas, and Colorado. That's the regions that we're in right now. <clears throat> um, but it's just been amazing to allow access to people who um, didn't have this type of healthcare in their local towns, So it's, it's pretty awesome. I have so many people in these small towns all over Colorado, Arizona, and Texas that they would have to drive hours and hours. I used to have people drive four hours to see me one way and they would have to stay the night. And um, this has just become so much more efficient and, and given this opportunity um, to patients that didn't have it before. Okay. And are any of your visits, virtual visits, kind of like we're doing a vir virtual visit right now through Zoom? Yeah. All of the visits um, are virtual. Okay. All right. Very, very cool. Yeah. All right. And I, I think that's great too. Um, our audience is spread out throughout the United States. Um, and if they were interested in having your work, uh, whether it be through yourself or someone that works with you, yeah, where would they go to schedule an appointment? Well, first they would go to my um, thyroid group on Facebook. So it's um, Happy, Healthy, and Lean. Um, so Happy, Healthy, and Lean on Facebook is really where they get to connect with other women. 
I have about 17,000 women in there and growing right now. And I do tons of information there. So I do thyroid Thursday, every Thursday night, I do some topic. I talk for about 30 minutes. I do master classes and my schedule's not always open, but when I do a master class or some special event, I usually open my schedule um, to accept new patients, but they can get tons of information there pretty continuously. Um, so the happy, healthy, and lean women overcoming low thyroid on Facebook. Oh, that's great. And I saw somewhere that you have retreats sometimes in Texas. Yep. So we do have retreats on the ranch right now. Um, they're only for patients who have been through about six months worth of care because it is um, an advanced retreat, but in 2024, I am opening this up to patients or two women who have never been a patient before. And so I'm really excited for that. Um, but I make all of those announcements and all of uh, all of the dates will be announced in my Facebook group. So that's Great. where they come up. What does a retreat look like? Um, so a retreat is so much fun because, you know, with COVID and this being more of a virtual setting, um, we do miss that human interaction and like being in the presence of other people. But it's really awesome because you get to be uh, together with other women who are like-minded and are on the same journey um, with their health. And so we do advanced testing and we go over all of those test results and figure out a plan to move forward. We do yoga. We do a lot of um, mindset stuff. We get to pet and spend some time with the animals. <laughs> so uh, I, I have have, um, Highland cattle. So it's kind of the fluffy cows and they're super sweet and they like to be pet and brushed. And I've got pigs and sheep and all kinds of animals that are super wow. friendly. So we spend a little time there. Um, we do exercise and time for rest and relaxation and just time to kind of get away. I, I'm so jealous hearing of the animals on the farm <laughs> and I miss my chickens. Um, you know, yeah. in a, uh, well, kind of in the city and, you know, the neighbors are right there. You have a fence separating your properties and you can get away with chickens. They don't, you know, the neighbors don't actually love them and you, you hope you only have hens, but. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, I'm not a bird person. Um, so I was like, okay, well, we, you can't have a farm without having chickens and the eggs are amazing. So we're going to get chickens. Oh my gosh. They're like my best friends. They follow me everywhere. They're always on me. They will sit on my shoulder and do chores with me. So they are just so awesome. Yeah. I, I want to get a goat and sell my lawnmower. There you go. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> but I think your neighbors might have more of a problem with that than the chickens. <laughs> well, um, it sounds like fun. And, you know, I, I am jealous, but I love I love where it comes from, too, because understanding where your food comes from you know it doesn't come from Publix or Kroger or you know Safeway or whatever your local grocery store is um, and you start realizing you know it depends uh, the quality depends on how the animals are raised and how the food is yeah. grown and you really figure this out when you're raising your own and growing your own how much of your food I is coming from your own land um I would say, um, probably like on a day-to-day -day basis, I'd probably say 50%, but at the retreats, we really work to be 100% um, farm to table. Wow. 
So um, I have a garden that is really huge. I'm, I'm figuring, so I moved from Colorado to Texas and the climate is completely different. And I have like four growing seasons in Texas, which is kind of crazy versus Colorado. The growing season was very short and you kind of got one crop and hope that hail didn't destroy, didn't destroy it. But I'm, I'm figuring out what things work best and how to um, do companion planting and what, you know, plants help, you know, get rid of the bugs for another plant or what is a trap plant so that you can let the bugs eat that and stay away from the other one. So I'm really learning about all of this, which is, I mean, I'm really passionate about it because if you'll think about it this way, most people say you are what you eat, but we got to go a little deeper than that because uh, I really think you are what you eat eats. And so we got to go a, a little, another step deeper because the quality of your food is what really matters and what your food is eating and, or the nutrients in the, um, in the soil that they're grown in really, really matters. So we are shooting for, um, 100% farm to table. So that's the ultimate goal. You know, it's interesting because I just heard that differently for the first time. You know, I used to think of what Jordan Rubin said when he said, uh, you know, you've heard it well said that you are what you eat. But when it comes to animal foods, I tell you, you are what they ate. But wait a second, yeah. the plants eat too. So <laughs> the way you the way you put it makes you think, wait, that's right, because they're rooted into the soil and whatever they're absorbing and you eat them as well. So whatever they ate. Yes. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's great. So you are what you eat, eat. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are what's one of your favorite testimonials? Um, whether it be from seeing a patient or the a retreat setting, but related to what you do, what's a wonderful transformation that you got to witness as a result of your work? Yeah, there's so many. Um, but one that's just kind of coming to mind right now. Um is a, a lovely lady. She's in her forties and she has like, I think five or six kids right now. And her husband is a preacher or a pastor and she was doing so terribly. Like she was in bed most of the day. She wasn't really able to um, take care of her kids and interact the way that she wanted to. And she wants another child. And so um, I'm like, are you really want to <laughs> She's like, yes, like that is her, you know, that's one of her big purposes on earth, on this earth for her is to have as many children as she possibly can. And so I said, all right, well, let's dig in and let's figure it out. And I think um, following the blueprint within about six months, she um, I think had lost about 45 pounds. She was actually helping and directing um, at the church and she was running the youth group. She um, is a mu very musical. So she plays all these instruments and she created this um, like Christmas musical that she led and, and had all these children go through. And um, she started a summer camp all, I mean, completely turned her life around and um, she actually was able to conceive. So um, that's one of my favorite stories because I think ultimately every being wants to be able to fulfill whatever it is their purpose is um, on this earth and to feel like they're contributing and making a big difference, whatever that may be. And I think most of us, when we're when we aren't functioning well, when we have so many imbalances, we're just surviving, right? So it's it has been amazing to me to see how many women, 
are just making it through the day. Like, okay, what do I have to do today to get through to sleep again tonight? Because I'm so exhausted. And when, when we are in that space, your creative centers in your brain completely shut down. And so you're in a survival mode and you're not able to create you. If you're an artist, you're not able to do art or a writer. You're not able to write. You can't fully be present with your children and your family. Um, and it's pretty amazing when you get out of that survival mode and then your body starts to move into thriving where you can really tap into that again. And I think that's probably the story of most of my patients. And, you know, the, the truly awesome thing is on my Facebook page, um, happy, healthy, and lean ladies are talking about their testimonial, you know, every day, they just put up their before and afters without even asking because that group is such a great group and they want to see other women really um, being successful and they want to be an inspiration. So that's typically the story that we hear. And I just never get tired of reconnecting um, people with their body's ability to heal. Most people think that their body is broken. Like they've actually come to me and said, Dr. Heather, my thyroid's broken. I'm like, that's not possible. (laughs) It's not broken. It's not functioning as well as it should, but it's not broken. And so reconnecting them with knowing that they're not broken and that they are born to heal. And we just have to remove um, the interference and get down to the root cause. Yeah. I I love the fact that in that story, the measuring stick was not, you know, what happened to her thyroid levels or her blood pressure or sugar levels, but her ability to do in life the things that she desires to do and wants to do. So, yeah. The other thing I think is important, if I may, uh, other stories that really give inspiration is the ladies that I have in their seventies and eighties, because I think a lot of times society has given up as we move into um, what would be considered older age. Um, But these ladies are doing great. I have one, she's 80 years old and she came to me with type two diabetes and low thyroid. And in about a year, she was no longer diabetic. She was not on any of her diabetic medication. And for her, um, yes, she lost about 50 pounds. Um, but she was able to, um, hike up Chickmunk mountain. I don't know where that is somewhere in Colorado, but her and her family did that, you know, every single year, but she didn't, she stood, stood at the bottom of the mountain and watched them hike up. And then they would, she would meet them when they came down, but she was able to hike all the way up and down. And now she's doing it once a month. Um, and she's 80. And I think that most people feel like, oh, you know, once you reach that age, your body doesn't heal, but it absolutely does. I have another 74 year old who hiked um, Manitou Springs, the incline. So the incline goes up one mile um, and the the elevation is huge and it is hard. Like Olympic athletes train um, on uh, the incline in Manitou Springs and she did it. And I think she was 74 and she took all these pictures when she was at the top. And she's like, I've never would have been able to do this um, without changing my life and, 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 and really getting her health together. But it is about, you know, reconnecting with your why, right? When I said earlier, like goal setting, um, you have to connect those goals with why. And that that's why I think I probably focus on when you say a transformation, I'm not focusing necessarily on the numbers, but I'm focusing on quality of life. 
what is it that they wanted to do that they weren't able to do that would make their life even better? And so really focusing on that helps people stick with it and keep going because health is not like a, a like just a straight shot. I think what we we get frustrated when we may hit a plateau or maybe we feel like we're sliding backwards um, and we give up and we go right back to where we were when we started. But if you have a deep motivation for why you want to be healthy um, and you give the body permission to heal over time, then you start to realize these goals and, and, and you start to actually live the life that you want to create. Wow, that's great. You know, um, I, obviously, when I ask questions, I, I I don't have a list in front of me, and it's just a conversation. And I I'm being selfish in the things I want to know. Uh, <laughs> but you probably know things that I should have asked you. Is there anything that you think we should have talked about that you want to make sure our audience has before? Um, no, I think this conversation has been really good, and I think um, just to reiterate um, that your body is born to heal. And you just have to, you know, figure out what are the underlying causes to the symptoms that you have, because it's just a way that your body needs to communicate. And I think some people feel like they're broken or that they just don't work or that there's something wrong with them. And I think that that if I could just reiterate that that is not the case, that you have the power, your body will heal from the inside out. You just have to dig or you have to find the right practitioner that knows where to dig um, so that the the road isn't so long. I love that. And I'm going to give it right from your book where you said, it's time to take back your power and heal your body once and for all. You have everything you need. You just need to put it all together. Um, they need to be the hero of their own story, right? Your doctor should just be a guide because they are the hero. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, okay, great. And let's wrap up. I know we already talked about this. The Facebook group is where? Um, go to Facebook and it's happy, healthy, and lean. They'll If they type in happy, healthy, and lean, they'll see my picture come up. So they'll know they're in the right space. And that's where they can get pretty consistent, constant information. And I'll do master classes and things like that. Um, that's where they can find me on Facebook. Great. And the website? Is thyroidtransformationbook.com. And if they want to schedule an appointment, they'll have to go to the um, Facebook page and on there's whenever like my schedule is closed right now. Um, but I um, am possibly doing another masterclass in November. So um, they can pop onto the Facebook page and then they'll get all of the announcements. Great, great. Dr. Heather Stone, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Haley. It was a pleasure to be here. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on The Dr. Haley Show. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot, and share this exact episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode on www.drhaley.com. If you want to geek out with Dr. Michael Haley on other radical health topics, be sure to check out his YouTube channel where he posts exclusive video content. All the details are at www.drhaley.com and we can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.